Good day and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference Call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the call over to Mr. Bill Hoffheimer. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, welcome to our ESPN Media Conference Call today. Our speakers include John Wildhack, Executive Vice President of Programming and Production, Jay Rothman, Vice President of Production and our Monday Night Football Producer, and Sean McDonough, whom we're thrilled to announce as the new play-by-play voice for ESPN's Monday Night Football. Sean will work alongside John Gruden and sideline reporter Lisa Salters. A few notes on Sean before we get started. He is one of the industry's most versatile and accomplished commentators. His resume includes the World Series, the Olympic Games, and the NCAA Final Four. He's a signature voice for ESPN. He has been since 2000. And his most recent work has focused on college football and basketball. He's also called NFL Games on ESPN Radio since 2013. Uh, with today's announcement, Sean becomes just the fifth person to occupy the play-by-play play role in the 46-year history of Monday Night Football. Uh, I'll give John, Jay, and Sean the opportunity to open with a few comments, and then we'll go straight into media questions. Just a reminder, we will have an audio replay of this call later this afternoon on the ESPN Pod Center. Uh, go ahead, John. I'll let you start. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate everybody joining us this afternoon, and uh, yeah, we are delighted and thrilled to uh, Announced that uh, Sean will uh, will become the play-by-play voice for Monday Night Football. Um, Sean is uh, you know, one of the exceptional talents in our industry, and in his career, has proven adept at doing uh, a multitude of sports: uh, football, basketball, golf, any baseball, anything that Sean has done, he's done in a uh, in a in a first-class and outstanding manner. So. It's, uh, we are thrilled to announce uh, uh, Sean's, uh, uh, Sean joining the Monday Night Booth and becoming our play-by-play person. Um, we had, uh, when it became apparent that Mike would leave, we had a very, very short list, and Sean was absolutely at the top of that list and at the top of my list. And I am supremely confident that he'll do a great job, uh, that he and John Gruden uh, and Lisa and Jay Roth and our entire production announce team uh, will continue to produce a uh, uh, you know an outstanding football broadcast each week. Um, Sean is incredibly and uniquely prepared uh, for this assignment, given his family's history and legacy with the National Football League, uh, and obviously it starts with his dad, Will. So um, we are very, 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 very pleased. Uh, I think the only thing is I wish the season was. Uh, uh, was going to be here sooner than it will be, but uh, I look forward to a uh, uh, a great uh, fall with Sean and John and Lisa and Jay and the team. Um, I also want to uh, acknowledge Mike Tirico's contributions to the ESPN um, in his 25 years. Mike uh, did outstanding work for us. Uh, he leaves with uh, with our thanks, and we wish he and his family nothing but the best. But uh, again, we're we are thrilled and delighted to have someone. As talented as Sean, ready to step uh, step in the booth on Monday Night Football. Thanks, Sean. Go ahead, Jay. You know what? I'll just add, Sean and I go back 25 years working together on Big East basketball alongside uh, our director, Chip Dean. Uh, we had a great working relationship back then, enjoyed the hell out of each other's company. Um, Sean, as John said, he's one of the most respected play-by-play men and great voices and calls of our generation, I would say. He's passionate about the game. John mentioned his history uh, with his dad and, and, and his great football DNA. Um, for those who know Sean, who have worked with Sean, he is incredibly smart, 
talented, has a great sense of humor, very quick-witted, and a guy that um, will give John Gruden a run for his money in the busting of the chops category. <laughs> Sean will give it right back, and we look forward to that. Uh, our entire team is thrilled to have him on Monday nights, and we can't wait to spend time together and get working. And um, uh, these guys will be an awesome tandem, Sean and John, and I know fans will not be disappointed. So um, with that, I'm done, and and the man of the hour is uh, up next. Well, thank you, Jay. And uh, just would echo what John said, I appreciate each of you being on here. Uh, many of you, we've spoken over the years, and you know I'm an emotional guy, and this has been a, a very emotional experience for me. I mean, I'm one of those people who cries watching cartoons. So uh, if I do get uh, a little emotional from time to time as we speak about this, uh, accept my apologies in advance. But I uh, first want to thank John and John Skipper and Mark Gross and Jay Rothman for this awesome opportunity. It really is the dream of a lifetime, you know, especially growing up in my house around my dad, uh, one of the highlights of my youth, probably the most vivid memories I have of my childhood were watching Monday Night Football with my brother and sister. It was always a treat for us every week. Uh, we got to stay up a lot later than our usual bedtime to make it to halftime at about 10.30 Eastern time and watch Howard Costell do the halftime highlights. And ever since I knew at a very young age that I wanted to do this, if you told me I'd have the opportunity to someday do Monday Night Football, it would be an incredible opportunity. I reading this press release and seeing my name alongside Keith and Frank and Al and Mike, and it still really isn't sinking in. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm going to try to live up to everything that John and Jay just said about me. I'm thrilled to be working with Jay again. Everybody in our business knows there's nobody more talented than he and Chip Dean. As I've talked to Mike Tirico about the atmosphere, you know, they care so much about everybody who works on that crew. It really is a family. And that's what we've had with my college group for the last few years with Chris Fieldman and Todd McShay and our director, Bo Garrett. And I will miss those guys and miss college football very much. It's been a great pleasure to do it. But you know, this is an opportunity that anybody in our business would welcome isn't a strong enough word, would, would just about kill for <laughs> And uh, and I'm thrilled that I'm going to have that opportunity. I also want to congratulate Mike uh, Tirico. Mike's been a friend of mine since we were in college together. Uh, I was graduating as he was arriving at Syracuse, but we've been dear friends since he was just out here a month or so ago. And uh, he's as fine a person as I know in our business, and I'm thrilled for him. You know, usually sometimes when good things happen to you in our business, it happens at the expense of somebody else. Uh, this is a great thing for Mike. You know, I know how much he loves Monday Night Football, and to leave that knowing how he feels about it uh, would say to me that he has a great opportunity where he's going, and he's as talented as anybody in our business, and he'll be awesome. And I've spoken with him several times already about this, and he's already been an invaluable resource, and uh, he told me how much I'm going to love this uh, even more than I anticipate that I will, and it's hard to believe that's possible, but I'm sure that I will. So I'm thrilled for him. I think the only guy who's had a better week than Mike and me, as I said to Mike when we spoke this morning, is uh, our shared agent, Sandy Montag. Sandy has the best uh, week of anybody with what's been going on. But uh, with that said, uh, again, thanks for being on here. and I'm happy to answer any questions, and I'm sure Jay and John are as well. 
Thanks, Sean. We'll start the media questions with uh, Rachel Cohen at AP, followed by Neil Best at Newsday. Go ahead, Rachel. Sean, as you mentioned, obviously you had a the real background in NFL. You know, from your family, was there any particular reason that that NFL ended up not being something that you did? You know, for much of your career, obviously, was so much baseball and in and, and, and the college game. Did it just sort of happen that way, or was it was there ever ever anything you know conscious about that decision? Well, no, not really, Rachel. You know, I've always been interested in it. Do it briefly when I was at CBS back in the 1990s. I did some of their regional games, most of them with uh, the late great Hank Stram, who I really enjoyed being with. And uh, but you know, most of the time uh, that I've been working at the network level has been at ESPN. And obviously, we have just the the one game, the Monday Night Football game here for the last many years. So. Uh, there was only one chair, and Mike filled it with distinction. So there just wasn't the opportunity. And one of the things that I've always loved about my situation at ESPN, it was John Wildhack laid out, you know, it provided me with an opportunity to do a wide variety of things. And I've always enjoyed the variety and being able to go from one season to the next. But, you know, it's always in the back of your mind, you'd love the chance to do the NFL again. And the fact that it's going to be, doing the NFL in Monday Night Football booth is just remarkable to me. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to uh, Neil Best at Newsday, followed by Barry Jackson at the Miami Herald. Uh, you've always been kind of known for having a sense of humor and also being a guy not afraid to express opinions. Do you think that uh, being on this Monday Night Football stage will um, give you even more opportunities for that sort of thing? I mean, going back to, like you said, that legacy from the 70s of being a, a sort of a hybrid sports and entertainment kind of telecast? Yes, I really feel that way. Neil. When Jay Rothman came out to visit me, I don't know when that was, Jay, a week and a half or so ago when we first talked about doing this, one of the things that he said is, you know, that's what they wanted. Well, one of the reasons they were hiring me is they wanted a uh, sense of humor and some personality. And, you know, my vivid memories as a kid watching that Monday Night Football booth was that it was more than the game. It was high entertainment, and there was a lot of humor in it. And I think Monday Night Football, the last few years, done a nice job of balancing both of those. But if I can bring a little more in the way of light touches and that's what I'm going to try to do without forcing it. You know, those I think that stuff only works when it occurs naturally during the game. When I worked with Jay Billis and Bill Raftery for all those years and we used to give each other a hard time and occasionally say something that hopefully the audience found humorous, we weren't sitting there intentionally trying to do that. You know, it's only really funny if it occurs within the flow of what you're doing. And, and the game's the most important thing. And there isn't anybody who's done a better job uh, with presenting the game on the National Football League than this group that I'm joining. I mean, the, the, the nuts and bolts football part, these guys have nailed down long before I'm arriving. So if I can add something, perhaps it's the, the occasional light touches while still trying to stay focused on the most important thing, which is the game. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll, get, we'll go to uh, Barry Jackson in Miami, followed by Richard Deitch at Sports Illustrated. Hi, Sean. Uh, it's obviously been a lot of years since you were the lead voice on a major pro league property, and I just wanted to ask you what you learned from the experience of a lead baseball on CBS. And it seems to me over the course of the last two decades, you've allowed your uh, dry wit to come out more on broadcasts over that time. Is that one thing that, uh, that perhaps you might cite as something that's changed as you've evolved as a broadcaster since the CBS baseball years? It's an interesting question. It certainly has been an interesting 
ride for me. I mean, I had the opportunity to do a lot of prominent events at a very young age, you know, to have the opportunity to do the Red Sox games on local TV when I was 25 and then have the chance to do the World Series when I was 30. You know, you almost take it for granted that these things are going to continue to happen to you. And then as time goes along, you realize there are a lot of very other talented play-by-play people in sports television. These events are spread out all over the place, so part of it is you have to be fortunate to be in the right place where they have a high-level opportunity that you might be able to fill. But I'm not going to lie to you. You I went a long time always sort of feeling like since the World Series back in the 90s that I was, you know, at a very nice level in our business, did a lot of great events. The major bowl games and the British Open and the U.S. Open, a lot of things that anybody would want to participate in. But I always felt like there was that one next level to climb back up to. And I'm really grateful to John Wildhack because he and I have had these discussions over the years and recent years. I told him I wasn't sure, you know, that I really wanted to stay if they didn't believe that I was capable of being, once again, sort of the signature voice on a franchise with this type and he assured me that uh, he, they did view me that way and the opportunity would come it was just a matter of finding the right one and uh, you know I'm glad I persevered the last few years it wasn't difficult to do because I loved what I did but I'm, I believe John when he told me that and I'm so grateful that uh, he's providing this opportunity to me you know in terms of the sense of humor you know I'd like to think it's always been there when I went back to when I started on the Red Sox game but whatever popularity Jerry Remy and I had together I think again it was at least in part because we weren't afraid to have some conversations that were perhaps not exactly related to everything that was happening at the games all the time but was humorous so uh, I hope it's always been there if it's been more prevalent more uh, if it's occurred more regularly in recent years maybe it's just that I think the older you go the more comfortable you get with with being yourself thanks Sean thank you Okay, we'll go to uh, Richard at Sports Illustrated, followed by Chad Finn at the Boston Globe. Yeah, just one quick one for John and then one for Sean. Uh, John, did you offer this job to anyone else other than Chuck? No. No. As I said, Richard, Sean was always, uh, you know, at a very, very short list. Sean was at the top of that list from uh, from the get-go, and uh, the only conversation we had about this was uh, with Sean. And then, Sean, if you could, um, how did ESPN management approach you about this? Who first came to you or, or your agent, and when was the possibility of this first known to you? I got a phone call from John Wildhack. Was that two weeks ago? John, it was, I remember it was on a Monday morning. It might have been two weeks ago today. Um, today You're right, Sean. It was two weeks ago today. Yep. I think it was two weeks ago this morning, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I was just leaving the gym, and – Saw John's number, and of course, you immediately think, "Well, what did I do?" <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I was pleasantly surprised. It was uh, it was interesting and good news. You know, he told me that they had just found out that Mike was leaving, and you know, I know because of my close friendship with Mike that that was the possibility. I'd known that for a little bit, and uh, he said, "Richard, exactly what he just said to you that I have a very short list." you're at the top of it and I'd like Jay Rothman to uh, come out and visit with you and just sort of explain to you the way this whole package works and what the expectations are so Jay flew out a couple days later I believe it was Thursday of that week uh, about a week and a half ago and we visited for about three hours and had a great conversation and 
you know, I knew he would because uh, I know, as Jay said, I've known him for a long time. I think the first basketball game I ever did at ESPN, Jay produced. And, you know, we talked for three hours. He stood up and gave me a hug and said, this is the right way to go. I'm going to call John Wildhack and Mark Gross and say, you know, if they're still signing off on this, let's do it. So uh, that's basically how it happened. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to a chat of the Boston Globe, uh, followed by, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Alan Pergamon at Buffalo News. Go ahead, Chad. Hey, hey Sean, congratulations. Um, around here, as you know, people tend to think of you as a baseball broadcaster in New England from your uh, 16, 17 years with the Red Sox. But you, you have football in your bloodlines. I apologize if you've spoken about this already uh, before I hopped on, but uh, I'm curious what this means to you, given uh, uh, what uh, the NFL and your father's ties to the NFL. Well, um, when Jay came out here, Jay Rothman came out here a week and a half ago, and we chatted, and he told me this is the way we're going to go. You know, I stood up and I said, gave him a hug, and, and then I apologized to him. I said, I'm going to have a little bit of a moment here. And I started thinking about my dad, and I got really emotional, as you know, Chad, and I think most of the other people on this call do. And I'm so grateful to each of you, by the way, as I hear the names of each of you and hear your voices. Uh, you know, I think back to how, uh, how kind each of you have been to me over the years. So uh, to be able to spare, uh, share this special day with, with all of you is really pretty cool, but you know, I told Jay, um, you know, it's uh, – all right, I'm, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, you know, it's not just that way for me, you know, really emotional because, uh, you know, my, my dad, I think, was uh, one of the most important – people uh, in terms of the media and the history of the league, and I, I'm sure most of you, because you're so plugged into it, would, would, would agree with that. You know, he certainly uh, you know, had great information, was a great writer for a long time, and then when he made the transition to TV, really, as the first information person, uh, it really opened that door for a lot of other people. I mean, over the years, I remember at my dad's funeral, Peter King came over to me and said, when he got into television, the first person that he uh, called was my dad to thank him, because if my dad hadn't paved the way and been good at it. You know, guys like him and Chris Mortensen and John Clayton and, you know, Adam Shepard, when I talked to him, said the same thing about my dad. Uh, and even in the other sports, Peter Gammons, you know, kind of making that transition into the, the baseball information man role. So, um, you know, my dad was the foremost influence in my life. He still is, even though he's been gone for 13 uh, years. I try to remember, you know, all the lessons that I learned and, uh, you know, I, I still can't be around the stadium where people don't come up and talk to me about them. And yeah. as some of you know, my brother Terry is the uh, – Jay was here when this happened, Jay Rothman. My brother Terry is the vice president of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and Thursday night when Jay was here a week ago was the start of the draft, and Terry made me promise that as soon as I heard anything about Monday Night Football, I would call him or text him. So they were just starting the draft, and I texted Terry, and I said uh, – I know you're busy with much more important things right now, but uh, I just want to let you know they're, they're offering me the job and I'm going to take it. And Jay could tell you about one minute later, Terry sent me a selfie from the Arizona Cardinals draft room. He said, I got up from the table because I'm fighting back tears. And I know it was, you know, not just because he was so happy for me, but 
you know, uh, I just thinking, I think he was also thinking about how uh, cool and proud, uh, how cool my dad would think this is and how proud he, he would be in his, I'm sure, looking down. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. Yeah, sorry to choke my way through that, Chad, but... Uh, but uh, oh, understood, believe me. Yeah, thank you. Okay, we'll go to uh, Alan in Buffalo, followed by Daniel Halloway at Variety. Go ahead, Alan. Okay, uh, Sean, I have a question. Did you travel, uh, a couple questions, did you travel with your dad to any games uh, when you were younger, to, to NFL cities? And, and if so, what were your favorite cities to visit? And then I have a follow-up question. Yeah, we, we did. Um, matter of fact, when I was at Syracuse, we used to meet uh, my dad in Buffalo when he was covering the Patriots, you know, a bunch of my buddies and I. Matter of fact, Greg Papa, who, you know, has been in the NFL for a long time with the Oakland Raiders, he was, we lived on the same floor in the dorms at Syracuse, and he lived in Buffalo, so we used to drive out and stay at his house and see my dad. Um, you know, I remember going to Tampa Bay, uh, the first year they had a team, the Patriots played down there, I think, at the very end of the year. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, we'd go, uh, uh, I would say we wouldn't make a road trip every year, but uh, we made several of them over the years. But the most memorable one, and I was telling Jay Rothman and, and Bill about this, was um, in 1979, September of 1979, I was – a senior in high school. We used to go to all the Patriot home games down in the old uh, Sullivan Stadium, Schaefer Stadium. And my dad would cover the game. We'd sit up in Section 316. And then after the games, we'd wait in the parking lot for my dad. And it usually took him about an hour to go down and go to the locker rooms and get the quotes and the information that he needed. And this one particular uh, Sunday, it was taking extra long. The Patriots had just defeated the New York Jets 56-3, to and they set a bunch of team records. And uh, finally, a security guard came out and said, are you the McDonough kids? Yes, we are. Uh, come with us. Well, we had never been taken inside the building and down by the locker room before. So it turns out, a story many of you know, most of you know, my dad had been in a little scrape with Raymond Claiborne, who was a cornerback for the Patriots. Uh, apparently, Ray thought that some of the other members of the media were encroaching on his face, and he was starting to get a little... Uh, abusive physically and not, you know, just shoving people and saying a few things that weren't particularly kind. So finally my father intervened and uh, the next thing you know, he and Claiborne are swinging at each other. And I think my dad knocked them down twice. And uh, <laughs> some of the members of the media thought it was one of the great moments in sports media history and made my dad a little bit of a folk hero um, within the business. And it certainly made me uh, happy at the bus stop the next day when you have those old arguments about, you know, my dad could beat up your dad. I was like, never mind, my dad could beat up your dad. My dad can beat up an NFL football player. So about three weeks later, uh, to make a long story longer, my, my dad took me on a trip to look at colleges in the Midwest, and we uh, we had been to Notre Dame, and we watched the Larry Holmes-Ernie Shavers fight that Howard Cosell broadcast, and uh, then we went to Chicago and watched the Bears play on Sunday, and then we went up to Green Bay. The Patriots playing Green Bay on Monday Night Football. We're in the hotel lobby, and all of a sudden you hear this distinctive voice of Howard Cosell, and I can't do the imitation, but he basically said, Will McDonough, Will McDonough, Larry Holmes wants you. He knows you're the toughest guy <laughs> around. So uh, he saw the fight, fight with Clayboard, so I thought that was awesome. He was one of the most famous people in America who knows my dad and Howard Cosell. So uh, Howard invited me to 
uh, sit in the Monday Night Football booth uh, the next night or stand in the back of it. And, uh, when he talked about Claymore, he said something to my dad, turned around and winked and smiled at me as if to say, I just took care of your dad on national TV. And uh, it was really one of the great, great moments of my entire childhood, not just Monday Night Football. Okay. Uh, the only follow-up, I was going to ask you a serious question, but the follow-up, did you actually see the punches? That, uh, not no, out. no, I didn't. Okay. We, uh, we were still outside, you know, from throwing a football or frisbee around while we were waiting for my dad. Um, I certainly heard a lot of first-person accounts of it from people who were in the locker room, and uh, I thought it was kind of off. <laughs> my dad had a little in his eye because apparently what precipitated the whole thing was Claymore sort of jabbed his finger in his face and he poked my dad in the eye, and then that's what uh, led my dad to wind up and. Uh, smack him a couple times, but uh, I wasn't surprised. I mean, many of you knew my dad. He was a he was a tough guy and from South Boston, and uh, you know he could certainly handle himself. But uh, you know, when you're a kid, something like that, <laughs> it was uh, especially since my dad was fine. There wasn't anything physically wrong with him. Um, but I did not actually see. I believe Dick Young wrote that my dad should win the Pulitzer Prize for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort of changing the roles and the dynamic of the athlete versus the media. Okay, uh, I understand that Daniel from Variety is no longer on. We'll go to Chris Mason at the Boston Herald, followed by Jonathan Tannenwald at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey, Sean, congratulations. Thank you very um, much. You're welcome. I just wanted to ask you what it means to land a gig this big a little over a decade after the Red Sox let you go and what it'll be like your first time calling a broadcast from the booth in Foxborough. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to Bill about uh, our schedule, and, you know, that's the one that jumped out at me just because I think the Ravens and the Patriots is such a great rivalry. But uh, to have the chance, you know, they're sitting in that – the old stadium, I haven't been in the new stadium as much, but I spent a lot of time as a kid in the old uh, Foxborough Stadium, Sullivan Stadium, Schaefer Stadium. Um, it, it, that'll definitely be emotional just, again, because of all the time I spent in Foxborough with my dad and my brothers and sisters as a kid. But, um, uh, you know, it's, in terms of what, what happened with the Red Sox till now, it, it, and it relates to an earlier question. I, I think what I've learned through the years is never take anything for granted. You know, just when you, even though I had opportunities at a young age, uh, it does no guarantee that they're going to keep coming your way. And I'm living proof of that because for a long time I had really good opportunities, but it wasn't the World Series and it wasn't Monday Night Football. And you realize there are very few of these kinds of jobs. And then when you have them, you're very fortunate to have them. You know, as much as I didn't want to leave the Red Sox, I think that was mostly a financial issue, to be totally honest about it. Um, you know, I just believe that God has a plan for each of our lives. And I remember several years later sitting at St. Andrews broadcasting the British Open for, excuse me, the Open Championship for ESPN and looking out at the North Sea and thinking, you know what, if I was still doing the Red Sox games, I wouldn't be here having this experience right now. So, uh, you know, you just trust that your life's going to go in the way that it's supposed to go, and I've always believed that, and that it's wound up back here is an awesome thing. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Jonathan at the Philly Inquirer, followed by Mark Daniels at the Providence Journal. All right, thanks. Uh, this is a question for John Wildhack, I think. Um, 
and maybe Jay, having worked with all the various people involved, can weigh on on this too. There are there are a lot of, I think it's safe to say, you know, big personalities and big egos in the media industry. But all of these moves that have happened have been very graceful and classy and smooth and so forth. And I just wonder if you could offer a comment or two about what that means about the people and the entities that are involved. Well, I think it, um, I think it reflects on. Uh, on Sean, it reflects on Mike. Um, as Sean said, you know they have a you know very very you know close uh, uh, close relationship. Um, you know Mike is, is 25 years at ESPN. His work was you know was was terrific. And um, um, you know at the same time as to have somebody you know like Sean ready to step in. I mean it's it's as you know it's as close as you can get to a seamless transition. And I think, you know, from the get-go is we all wanted this to be done and the transition to ha- to occur in a most, you know, professional and respectful manner for uh, for Sean, for Mike, and uh, in, both, uh, in both entities as well. Jay, anything you wanted to add? You know what, when you have great people, hardworking people, people who wake up excited for every day, and the opportunity, who love the process, who love the preparation, and who pinch themselves, they get to execute and work on Monday Night Football. It's an awesome thing. And as John said, there couldn't be a more seamless transition in Sean. And I know he and John are going to be terrific and a, uh, a great listen, a great broadcast, and great friends behind the scenes. And... Um, and that's what this show takes, uh, given the time that we're all together and given how intense the work is. Um, we couldn't be more excited. We hit the jackpot with Sean, and we're ready to get rolling. Thanks, Jay. I guess I have one I have one quick question for Sean, which is you talked a little bit about this earlier, but the uh, in terms of the matching uh, John Gruden in the busting chops department, has he met Bill Raftery before? <laughs> uh, I bet they have. But I think Bill Master after he's met everybody in the world, and any of us who know Raft, you know, every time I go someplace, I have somebody come up to me who says they're a friend of Bill Raftery. So uh, that's not surprising. I've spent time around John over the years. I did the Senior Bowl one year when he coached in it. We spent some time together. Uh, Mike and I, Mike Tirico and I, spent some time together at the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl with John socially a few years ago, and. Uh, I've been to Tom Coughlin's charity golf tournament in Jacksonville and sat with John and Cindy. So I've spent a lot of time around him in social settings, and you know, he is a captivating presence. As a matter of fact, I think at our table that night at Tom Coughlin's tournament, it was Bill Parcells and Bill Polian and, and Bill Polian's wife. Uh, you know, the, the guy you just kept gravitating toward in terms of the conversation was was uh, was Gruden. And it's funny, too, just the coincidence of this because maybe a week before all this started to happen. And I really didn't think Mike Tariq was leaving ESPN. Um, at the time, uh, I, I texted Jay Rothman and told him these Gruden QB camps are awesome. And, you know, they're, they're not only your part, Jay, but being so well produced, and you could tell the time that went into it. But Gruden is just, you know, so charismatic and engaging. And he presents these young quarterbacks in the best possible light. And, you know, I, it's, I couldn't say we were, they were airing on ESPN back to back to back. And I just kept watching them because uh, Gruden just kept me sucked into watching them with his remarkable presentation. So 
really looking forward to uh, getting to know him better. It's uh, it's John. Well, I just want to add one thing. Is is uh, two weeks ago after I, I called and spoke with Sean, I spoke with John Gruden a little bit later in that day, and I told John, you know, where where we were likely headed. That you know, short list, and Sean was absolutely at the top of it. And John's response was uh, was incredible. Was was one of excitement. Um, he has watched Sean's work. He's listened to Sean's work. He's a fan of Sean's work. Um, so again, I think as Jay said, and as Sean has said, it's, you know, I, I can't wait, you know, to have, uh, to put these two together. Cause I think it's going to be dynamic and it's, it's, it's important. Um, and it was impactful to me, just the, the respect and the admiration that John Gruden has for Sean McDonough's work. And I just add, you know, because you brought up Bill Rastry, one of the things that's been best about my job is. You know, the people I've worked with have become some of my closest friends. Bill Raftery and Jay Billis are, will always be two of my best friends. Uh, the opportunity to work with Chris Spielman, <laughs> uh, you know, there's not a better person I know than Chris Spielman and Todd McShay, for that matter. So I think if it's really going to work well, you, you need to form those sorts of friendships. If you become friends and you share common bonds and you really do like each other and look forward to being there every week, that translates over to the audience, and I'm sure that's going to happen with John Gruden. Remember, I know it is, just based on what I know of, of him personally and his work. And, and Mike Tirico told me, you know, working with him is going to be a tremendous experience. So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to know him better and developing that kind of chemistry off the air and on. Hey. All right, we've got time for two more questions. We'll go to Mike McCarthy at the Sporting News, followed by Charles Powell at the Detroit News. Go ahead, Mike. Um, this question is for Sean and John. Is there any um, thinking or consideration of adding, adding a third person to the booth? Uh, this is John. The answer, the answer to that is no. Okay. Our, booth, our booth is going to be Sean and, and John and Lisa on the sidelines. Gotcha. And, Sean, as you said, you're a historian of Monday Night Football. They've used three-person booths. They've used two-person booths. I was wondering what your impressions are with the, if you prefer to work in a two-person booth or a three-person. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. I think the three-person booth can be more difficult if it's not the right blend of personalities. And if anybody involved in it is a little bit selfish, that makes it hard. You know, I was really blessed that the three-man booth I spent the most time in was all those years with Jay Billis and Bill Raftery. And I think, they in particular made it work because they had to share the analyst time. You know, you all have to sacrifice a little bit, but, you know, if you just care about what's best for the telecast and not, you know, who gets to talk the most or whatever, then, then it can work. But I certainly think from the mechanics of a, of a broadcast, usually the, the two-person booth is, is a lot easier. And I think in the case with somebody like Gruden who has so much to offer, um, you know, I, I think the more space you can allow him, the better. He's incredibly well prepared, and he has a lot of great stuff to say. And um, I don't think he needs anybody in there to help him. That's for sure. So, uh, so the two-person booth to me feels definitely like the way to go. All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay, and we'll go to the final question, Charles Powell at the Detroit News. Go ahead, Charles. No. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we we went almost 40 minutes, so we'll uh, we'll call it a we'll, we'll call it a day there. And I want to thank John Wildhack, 
Jay Rothman, and again, congratulations and thank you to Sean McDonough. Uh, Sean and John will start in the booth for our new Monday Night Football team at the Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton in early August, and we look forward to that. Um, thanks again to everybody, and there will be again another an audio replay of this call uh, if you need to access that later today. Thanks again.